Hey, everybody, it's Nicole Sanchez, your host of the Construction Influencer Podcast. I am so excited for the guest that we have on today. This is an individual that I met on LinkedIn. I think I've recently shared that I meet so many great people on LinkedIn. It's such a powerful tool for us to be using to connect. And this individual came across my LinkedIn, and I'm going to share with you what his headline says, because... I really literally got just a couple of seconds into his headline and I knew immediately that this is somebody that I had to reach out to because his story is phenomenal and extraordinary. And this is what it says. It says, Jason Romero, keynote speaker, blind, 3,063 mile run across the US. And that's as far as I got. I didn't even finish reading the rest. And I knew that he was somebody that I needed to reach out to. I had the opportunity to speak with Jason on the phone. And I learned that he's a keynote speaker. He's an author. He's a Paralympian. Not only is he Paralympian, but he also is a 10 or probably more by now world record breaker. He's the CEO of Inspire Connection. He's a father and he inspires thousands of people. And I'm thrilled to have you today, Jason. Uh, thanks, Nicole. I'm, I'm honored to be, be with you on this podcast. Absolutely. Um, as I mentioned, just reading what you had to say in your LinkedIn profile um, and then being able to really talk to you and learn about your story, um, your message to this world is really about adversity, change, and resiliency. I would love for you to share the footnotes of what your journey has been like. Well, uh, first, uh, I'd like to get to that question, but also I want to Note that when you and I first had our conversation about potentially doing this podcast, you and I had a conversation that was real and authentic. And I think that's kind of at the heart of what my mission and my message ends up being, because you and I sit here on a screen and you know, I just got out of the shower. You're all you know, looking pretty. And you know, we, we have this face that we put on, but that's not our true life. And you know, I'm 52 years old. And you don't get to be an adult without going through messy mess. And at the end of the day, what I've realized is we all have that messy mess journey. Um, I I ended up doing this thing that became kind of like this aha moment, which is you know this run across the U.S. I've done a bunch of different things, but that kind of gains notoriety for some reason. But I have the same journey as every other person, which is. One of the only thing you can count on in life is change. If you're doing great, it's going to get worse. If you're doing worse, it's going to get better. And we just kind of go through that in life. We've all faced adversity. We've all overcome adversity. And we all have resilience that we've exercised because we've gotten to this point today. And a lot of people just need that reminding of that. And that's really been what I've done now. I mean, I've had a prior career as an attorney, a business guy. But as a keynote speaker and being able to interact with people, that's what I've realized is we just need that reminder. And I've done some other things, too, at the nonprofit that you mentioned before. But that's really my mission is, you know, put it out there, put the story out there, give something relatable that people can hang on to, grasp on to. And if I have to sit up there on a stage and you know relive my mess, cry uh, tell an authentic story, be vulnerable so I can give other people permission to be vulnerable with their challenges, then so be it. Let, you know, let that be my yeah. mission. I mean, I think something that you said that was really important was when we had our first conversation, it was um, very authentic and very real. I actually sat down after that phone call and just cried because 
like what you do is pretty amazing. And what you have done is you allow people to be okay with that mess. Like some of the things that you shared with me on our first phone call, I had never spoke to you before, but there is um, something about you that just lets people be okay with their mess, acknowledge it and learn how to, like you, you have just used it as this story to get people to understand resiliency, all of the things that you teach when you keynote speak. And I'm sure when you teach um, just one-on-one having conversations with just a, a normal human being, but really being okay with that mess and um, acknowledging the mess and using the mess as the story to inspire others. Yeah. And it, you know, at the end of the day, Nicole, you and I really don't even know each other, but I feel connected to you in some yes. strange way. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's a connection and the way that you connect is being vulnerable and trusting. And, you know, we've been talking at this 3000 foot level Our watchers, you know, folks don't even know the mess, but you know, kind of to, to break it down for folks. Yeah. I, I was diagnosed with this degenerative eye condition, degenerative eye condition. There's a bunch of different adversities you could key to, but people have overcome, you know, all these adversities too. But I did, I was diagnosed with this degenerative eye condition. I was going to go blind at 14 told uh, that I could forget about college or, you know, doing anything in my life. I ignored it. I went on, you know, I, I have like a, a story of resiliency there, figured out how to go through school, losing eyesight, pretending like I wasn't going blind because who wants to be different? You know, I, I tried to go on dates. It, was really, it really messed up my dating life as a high schooler because I couldn't go and pick up the girl. I had to, if I could get her to say yes, then I was like, well, by the way, I don't drive. Could you pick me up? <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. So I mean, when you told me that about that, you would, you continued to keep working and you just pretended like you could still see that. I was like, how in the world did you do that? Well, you, you, what, what I learned, and this is an important piece of the story is I had shame about my difference and I kept it in the closet and I, I pretended, I mean, sometimes it wasn't pretty Nicole, uh, I did, I was able to get a driver's license. I could never pass, pass the eye test. So I would always go and beg an optometrist to sign this form. I had to take a driving test with the folks. There was a point where I was driving where probably I should not have been driving. And I have kids and I was driving them around. And, um, you know, with working, there were times when I would pretend I was, <laughs> at one point I was working for General Electric. I worked for them for 10 years and I was actually the general manager of GE Capital in the Caribbean had a several hundred person organization. And I remember I'd walk the floor, talk to employees. I could not see their face and they would be in their cubicle. I would kind of understand their voice, their body structure, their movements, but we could be having a very, you know, meaningful conversation. And the next day at the mall, they're on the other side of the mall waving to me. And I don't recognize, I don't, you know, and, but I'm pretending I wouldn't tell them that I couldn't see. And it was a facade. And what, what I realized was my shame with my difference, with my challenge, created issues with my ability to connect with people and to be truly authentic and vulnerable. I wasn't able to be myself if I carried shame. And the one thing that I learned is the way out of shame is to change that M into an R and shame uh. becomes share. Yeah, you share your shame. And I learned something very important at that point as well, which is, there's going to be three possible reactions to that when you share your shame. One, 
People aren't even going to realize that you had that. They're going to be compassionate, empathetic. They're going to take you in and say, it's okay. And they're going to help you. That's one. That's a good, that's the good way. But the, the other, rea- there's another reaction on the other end of the spectrum, which is, I don't care. Uh, you know, it, it really doesn't matter to me. And that kind of hurts. It stings. The third reaction is it's an educational opportunity. People will not even realize that you're dealing with this or that this was affecting you or this was part of your persona. And they're going to take it's going to take time to process and to work through it. But those are the reactions. That's all that's going to happen. That's all that can happen. And it took me from age 14 until I was 44 years old, three decades to carry that shame until I came out and shared it. And right now, like I work for General Electric. It's so funny because I get hired out by my old company, GE, to go talk to them. And when I go and talk to them, people come up to me all the time. They're like, I had no idea you couldn't see. I mean, that's how that's how adept at at uh, hiding my shame I was. And it's there's just no reason for it. You know, more of the story, which I think is also important, is as part of this you know journey um, with my eyes, which kind of keyed in on it. When I got to the point where I couldn't drive anymore, I ended up divorced. I had lost my last job. You know, I was just deplete bankrupt. There's a whole bunch of other stuff that was in play at that time. But I slipped into a depression and this was a severe depression. Like right now I seem jolly. I'm always seem like totally optimistic. I was in bed. I was laying in bed. I didn't know if I could go on. I didn't know if I wanted to go on. I had three kids depending on me. And I can't even imagine that I'm saying this right now, but I know people out there have felt that pain have felt that emptiness, that hollowness, and we know it. And it's something real that we have to talk about. And it's hard. I mean, it, that, that is the hard stuff. And the way that we get through it is you know, with grit, with guts, and with people. We don't do life alone. We never do life alone. And my hope is that by sharing this story and, you know, by speaking openly about that, about mental health, depression, you know, about getting to the brink and continuing on. And I'm here today talking to you, Nicole. It could have been a different story, but for the grace of God and a lot of great people in my life, um, we make it through together. And that's really the thought of, you know, change is constant. We're all going to confront adversity. We can all be resilient and we've done it before and we will be able to do it again. And that's the gravity of why I keep doing what I'm doing. So you were, you're in this state of, you know, your, your world is basically crumbling around you. You, you can't see you went through a divorce. You're in a deep depression. Um, I don't, really focus much on like the rear view mirror moments of life. But I do think that they have some value because they teach us something. If they don't teach us something, they might teach somebody else something for you in that moment that you were feeling like you didn't even know if you wanted to continue being here. What was the turning point? What made you stand up? Not only stand up, you ran. That was the moment I think that you, you literally started running. What was going on for you that, you switched like that and you were able to turn your shame into now your share. I, that's a great point. And you keyed in on the point that gets glossed over a lot Uh, because I, I was at rock bottom and (laughs) for, I mean, there, there there was no reason. And uh, for me, uh, it was a calling and when I say a calling, like I, I didn't hear voices and I, I do have a faith, but it was a calling from something larger than 
Me, I was actually volunteering at a homeless shelter. I'm on the board there. And when I was totally empty and bankrupt, I thought I have to get up out of this bed. And if I can serve others, that's always been a way that I've been able to have meaning. And I remember I yes. called the executive director and I told him, I was like, John, I am, I'm out. Like I, I need to be there. I need you to let me do something there. He said, no, 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 you know, go on, do, do your thing, Jason. They called me back. He must've heard the pain in my voice. He said, you know, you could come in on Thursday. And I went in on Thursdays and I managed this clipboard and I got homeless people into showers and then got them out after 20 minutes. And that was my job. And now that, that gave me purpose for that season in my life for many months. And there was one day when I was there and Ursula had just gotten in the shower and that's my, my friend. And she always gives me a hard time. She wasn't getting out in her 20 minutes. And, and I was sitting there and I was getting a, a towels and little travel shampoo and conditioner and soap for the next person. So when Ursula got out, I could, you know, clean out the shower and get it ready for the next person. And there's all this ambient noise of washing machine kind of bouncing around. And all of a sudden it was like in the movies where everything just kind of, you know, goes quiet. And I, I was just doing my thing. I wasn't really paying attention, but all of a sudden it was quiet. And I had this thought, I am running across the US. And it was a fact. It wasn't like I should or like a bucket list thing. It was and it wasn't my thing. Like I, I hadn't dreamed about it. I mean, I ran, but I'm like, who's gonna run across the US? And that came into my mind. And then as soon as that passed, all of a sudden the sound came back and I heard all these other people. I heard Ursula singing this other thing. And I I started shaking. I was like, what just happened? Like that's freaky. What you know, that that was not me what happened. And that was a point, and probably because I was at a broken point in my life, that was the first time in life I had exercised obedience, surrender, done something that was not self, you know, uh, self-preserving, selfish, self-motivated. Before that, I worked for myself to take care of my family, my kids, my community. It was never a totally selfless act. And there, I remember, I was like, if I don't acknowledge that that just happened, and I don't tell somebody I will pretend like that never happened. Mm -hmm. And I texted my mom immediately and I said, I am running across the US. And like five seconds later, she texted back and said, I'm in. <laughs> and that began an 18 month journey of preparation, of training my body, trying to figure out how you do this. And Nicole, I didn't want to do this. Like, you know, like less than 300 people have ran across the US. I see through like a little tube like this. And my ice, my acuity through has 2,200, 2,400. You know, I, I have a house, the house I'm in right now, there's a, a mortgage. Uh, you know, I didn't know how I was going to do this. There was no money coming in. And I had to leave my kids and people die, get hit by, you know, semis and trucks trying to cross the U.S. on foot. And I was going to be doing this. And, you know, that to me, that was the craziest part. And you picked up on that. But um, to do something that that you don't even understand how or why it's happening, but you do it, you feel it, and you go forward anyway. That's important. And a lot of times in life, you know, people have gut instincts. It's a risk. They have to step out of the comfort zone. Maybe they have to get rid of those golden handcuffs and take a chance. But I got to tell you, when you pursue your passion or you pursue that dream, it's always better on the other side. And that's something, you know, I've switched careers. I've done this crazy, you know, run across the U.S., accepted a calling and actually went out and did that. I survived. And I'm here talking to you today. I mean, it, it blows my mind. But getting back to your question, you know, what was the turning point for me? 
I hung on to something outside of myself because within myself, I couldn't find anything to hang on to. So thankfully something came and for other people, maybe it's not a calling or something larger. Maybe it's your family, maybe it's friends, but we don't get through these tough times alone. We get through them together. Yeah, I agree. And I think that um, the part that you talked about being able to serve at that homeless shelter, I think a lot of times we high level talk about servant leadership. And I think servant leadership is brought up a lot and it feels um, surfacey sometimes, right? Like, oh, how cute servant leadership. But when you can have the, the meaning of what it truly is and what it meant for you, like truly, truly to serve other people so that you can step out of your own self to even just save your life. That's really what that was, is being able to give back to other people, stepping outside of yourself and it saved your life. It really did. And I guess the other question that I have for you when you were, when this, you know, crazy thought of coming, you know, you're supposed to run across the world. Were you expecting anything on the other side? So I, I, to this day, I still don't understand why. And I've given up trying to understand or to connect the dots. Uh, Did I want something to happen? Yes. I thought, you know, if this is something larger, you know, God or what have you, if I, if I do, if I run across from Los Angeles to New York, when I get across to New York, maybe God poof will heal my eyes or, you know, yeah, miraculously the scientists can study me and whatever. Did that thought cross my mind? Yeah. I was hoping. And that's right. Yeah. We did talk about that. And that was one of the reasons I sat down and cried because I remember you saying that, you know, maybe somewhere in there, I thought, maybe when I get there, I'm going to be able to see and I'll have my vision back. And I had made the comment about, cause you felt like you were called there to be able to get your vision back. And, and then my comment back to you was that you were called there to step into your calling, which is to be able to share the message, the message that you share now. It wasn't about getting your vision back. It was about getting your vision reset in a different way to be able to tell your story, to be able to have people, <laughs> have an example of what perseverance and, and, and resiliency and, um, gosh, just it's true adversity. You're an overcomer and the story is powerful. Thank you, Nicole. I appreciate that. You know, one thing I want to back up on that you mentioned though is servant leadership, because that's something I think is so true and probably, you know, very much on the minds of your podcast listeners, because, you know, I remember when I was back, in the corporate world and I was in a leadership role and (laughs) there's a lot of talk about servant leadership. There's great podcasts. There's great writings. There's a lot of stuff and talking about it versus doing it are two totally separate and distinct concepts. And one time I remember, yeah, I I was, uh, I was leading a operations organization in Puerto Rico and, you know, there are a couple hundred people and, for whatever reason, the the toilet was plugged. And I remember somebody said, you know, the toilet's plugged. Somebody came out and and nobody was doing anything about it. And I, you know, I remember I was like, well, nobody's people got to yeah. use the toilet, right? Like I'm not doing anything. People are working over here. So I go find where the plunger, I'm asking everybody, where's the plunger? I'm this gringo from America. They're like, why is the boss asking about the plunger? I go get the plunger. I make sure, you know, it was in the women's bathroom, make sure everybody's out of there. And I start plunging the thing. And it becomes like this total mess. I have to mop every, you know, it's, it's a total mess. But that example of what I did, I remember to this day still is talked about at that site because they're like, this guy's crazy. But 
the point was a job had to get done. And I had, these were the people doing the work. I mean, my job was to be strategic. I needed to get my tactical workers who were doing the real stuff so that they, they could continue on doing their tactical work. And a lot of times, you know, that's just an example of ways to serve your, your workforce. Um, another great way to serve your workforce, which is spot on with what is with what we're talking about is to connect to them. Mm. And what I'm talking about here is to know your people, to spend time connecting with your people and have a true connection because it's rare in this world that we actually connect with other people. You go to, you know, you interact with, you pass somebody on the street and you're like, how are you? That's not a real question. Yeah. 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 You're not prepared yeah. to, yeah. You're not prepared to stop to, to listen to the real answer of that. Yeah. That's just an automatic, you know, we've been trained to go, how are you? Oh, I'm good. But getting back to the connect with your people part, um, I'm a huge, I can, I'm a connector. That's just who I am at heart. That's who I was. I was meant to be. Not everybody has that skill set to be able to connect. So what in your experience are, you know, some quick takeaways that people would be able to implement to be able to connect with their people? Listen, uh, we talk about communication and a lot of people think of communication as expressive communication. I think the better listener we are, you hear about active listening, that type of thing, pipe down and listen. Uh, I always think of like, uh, you know, Mother Teresa, she didn't say much, but when she spoke, it leveled rooms and people listened. She listened. And the more that we listen in conversations, you know, the the better we're going to be at serving other people and at leading and making moves and understand, just putting all of the pieces together of the puzzle. Um, You know, that really came to me when I was a lawyer. I had to listen intently because there were always details somewhere in there that would help. It was a giant jigsaw puzzle. Yeah. You're going collecting these different facts. It's putting the puzzle together. But if you're not listening, you're missing pieces. So, you know, that that's that's the real piece for me anyway, is is listening. Communication and listening is the 80% of that. Absolutely. While you're listening, you're learning, right? Like you said, you're learning all of those little pieces that you can put together as you learn about the individual, then you have a full picture of who they are. And the only way that you can ever get there is if you're truly listening to what they have to say, what they're sharing about their lives, about how they feel at work and, you know, all of the in-between. We've only got a few minutes left, but, you know, one thing that I was thinking about before we were, we jumped on this call was um, what do your kids think of what you do? Uh, a lot of people have asked them that and I'm just dad. So that's it. They're dead. You're yep. just dad. Yep. I'm, I'm just dad. But I think what my, my oldest daughter's kind of articulated it a little bit better once in a while, which she's told me is what she said to other people. I heard her say, uh, she's like, well, when you got this dad who always says, you know, everything is possible. There's no such thing as impossible. No such thing as can't, you can do anything. You start to believe it. Yeah. And then you actually start you know, it's, it's like normal. You're not scared of it. You're like, no, that's totally possible. Like everything's possible. So I hope, I hope that's, that's like a little bit of something that I can have rub off on my kids, but I'm Nicole. I'm just a person like anybody else. I mean, your podcasters didn't know about me before we talked and, you know, they may forget about me afterward, but we're just human beings on this, on this planet, trying to, you know, trying to, trying to make a difference. And I really appreciate people like you 
that are that are influencing in a positive way and bringing goodness into this world. Yeah, I, I we are we are just we're all human, right? We're all just another person. There are some people that have a little bit more grit, uh, have a little bit more uh, of the nothing's going to get in my way mentality. And those, that's the type of thing that starts to make a distinction between, um, you know, where people end up in life. And I think what you have done internally, not just the things that you have accomplished, like all of the, you know, you've raced I, there, I read a ton of things. Like you're probably in really good shape. <laughs> <laughs> I try to be but the things that you have accomplished internally to be able to, you know, share your message and impact people and influence people and guide people to get to where they want to be. Um, not everybody can do that. So yes, we are all human, but some people just influence in a, a really powerful way. So I thank you for being that person. And I thank you for taking time out to chat with me. I really appreciate it. I, I appreciate you, Nicole. And, you know, one, one last thing that I was thinking about for, you know, how my story could possibly tie into, you know, your topic construction, you're dealing with people who build things, uh, who, who there was nothing. And then there's something And that. I think if there is a metaphor for the journey and you touched on this, it's about growth and it's about, creating something where there was nothing. And that's each of our journeys. You know, maybe your folks build buildings or cities or, or things, but in reality, as they're doing that, they're growing as individuals, they're growing as teams, they're growing as organizations. And you don't, (laughs) you don't grow when it's easy. You don't grow, Uh, you don't grow through, you know, having something like that happen. You grow through adversity you grow through failure, you grow through picking yourself up with resilience. And then at the end of the journey, probably for your folks, there's this amazing structure or this, there's this amazing development and people just move in and they use it. But the people who walk away, who created that, they know the story of what it took to create and build that. And it didn't just happen. You know, I hope that these people realize it didn't just happen in buildings and structures and things. It happened within themselves, within their teams. They're better people for it. They're better in their family for it. They're better professionally for it, spiritually for it. But I, I just, I hope that's a huge piece. And I think what you do and just knowing you as I know you briefly and an important part of your story, you know, it's about growth and it's that internal journey that really matters. Maybe the, <laughs> you know, the, the, I, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Not not the symptom is the actual building or the the product, but the you know what's really being constructed is a beautiful human being. So anyway, thanks for thanks for having me on, and I hope that I can continue to do that. And uh, you know, JasonRomero.net is a way to get a hold of me if if uh, anybody's interested. That's what I was just gonna say. How do people reach out to you? So that's your website. I know you're definitely on LinkedIn. So look them up there. Reach out. Uh, you're a fantastic human being, and I appreciate you. Thanks, Nicole. I appreciate you. Have a great day. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.